Constable talking guns, and we're going to talk about Duff McKegan's first solo outing, Believe in Me. And Duff, we trust Derek. We do, we do. It'll be a long time before we hear his next uh, solo album after this, but... Uh, yeah, it's hard yeah. to believe it's actually, what, 26 years between this and Tenderness. Yeah, it's actually insane, isn't it? Insane. It, it seems because he's so active in the last few years, you, mm. you forget there was only one real solo album for all them years i know he's done the bands various bands but yeah his own stuff just one album in the 90s and it's something that was kind of very much buried as well when it was released you know i suppose the timing of it it was released in september the 28 93 yeah so uh this was two months before the spaghetti incident came out and obviously yeah guns and roses would have been uh coming off the road after coming off the road as well in the july um after wrapping up the use your illusion tour as well so it's kind of like he, that little gap between he released this album to little fanfare and little publicity really as well so it's one of those hidden gems <laughs> it's strange isn't it that the record company decided to because it, it was released on Geffen it's mm. strange that they decided to release it mm. right before the spaghetti incident yeah rather I thought than, they would have made one or the other I think wait, wait until like maybe until 95 you know I suppose the way they did with uh, it's five o'clock somewhere with uh, yeah. Yeah, with Slash and Slash Snake Pit like you know and they kind of they were a lot more behind that than they were yeah I, but i think that's why it might have been lost somewhere mm. you know when you mentioned the spaghetti coming out so soon after it yeah anything with a guns and roses packaging on the title you know title on the packaging is gonna yeah attract a lot more than this so i don't know if it did get buried by the mm. being in the shadow of spaghetti it's it seems it seems to it seems to be that way what did it sell a hundred thousand copies was it after, after release yeah. you know that's like i mean this is at the height of their fans, essentially, yeah. Guns and Roses, mm. you know, ninety three, uh, and, and and Slash would release Five O'clock Somewhere in ninety five, and I think they sold a million records, wasn't yeah. it? And he was pulled back in off the road, so that was that performed really well. But this just just got lost. I in think the shuffle. it was the timing mm. because I think, as you mentioned, the, the tour, uh, the Use Your Illusions tour, ending yeah. in the summer of ninety three, and then it was so soon afterwards. And then to release a GNR album later that year, I just think it's just got lost in the mix. And there's some serious name value on it as well. Like, you know, it's it's also, it's very, very strange. Very yeah. strange. It's I mean, it's an album that he pretty much wrote, Duff wrote and played everything on it. Mm. Um, you know, you mentioned the guest spots. Um, they are heavy hitters, there's yeah. some of the names on them. Yeah. Um he he said at the time that uh, he would use the process of recording this album at night time as a way of counteracting the energy that he was playing to these enormous crowds yeah didn't I can he, see that he could say it was like a type of therapy like just to get back into the studio and just to be there with his guitar and just yeah, be the, doing what the, he does the chaos of, of 100,000 140,000 people in yeah. the market you and know to be out on the road as long as they were I suppose mm. they needed to blow off steam and, yeah. I, and I suppose for Duff at the time to blow off steam in a way that was actually healthy yeah, as opposed to where his life was everywhere else. Yeah, absolutely. At that point. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, um, I think he did begin writing the songs during the illusion sessions. I think he noted that somewhere along the line. Yeah, I think he told, wasn't it? Well, it wasn't MTV Canada, whatever the the. Well, I can't remember the name of the. There was some. Can't remember the name, but it. it was basically a precursor to MTV Canada. I think he done an interview with them, and he's told them that he started writing about nineteen ninety one. So took him about two years. Yeah, God showed the amount of material they had in the early nineties. Yeah, Jesus, yeah. You know, that yeah. he was putting out so much stuff, they yeah. had stuff there. Yeah. They really did have a lot going into those illusion writing sessions. Yeah, it's like they poured everything into them back then. That's why like Duff wouldn't have another solo record for a long time. And we've had what one Guns N' Roses album since. Yeah. You know? I mean, there's stuff on this album that even reminds me somewhat of 
some of the Gene or stuff from yeah. the illusions that yeah. I can see yeah. time wise, you know, when this was wrote. Mm. Um in the Tokyo ninety two release, do you remember that? When they there was a, a clip in that of Duff speaking about Believe in Me. Yeah. And he talked about the Tokyo ninety two was filmed in I think it was February ninety two. February ninety two, I think well. Right. Yeah. So they just done the November Rain video, they were about to hit Europe after Asia. And Duff said that the solo album would, was almost done at that point and it would be out in the summer. Now, it yeah. didn't come out, obviously, for another year and a half. So I don't know why, yeah, why it took an extra year and a half. But why were they going to go then, 92? Yeah, strange when they were on the road. Yeah. Yeah, maybe, I, do you know what? Maybe it was, it probably would have been better to release it in the summer of 92, though. Away from the spaghetti. Because mm. Illusions was already selling, like, yeah, yeah. hotcakes at that point. But he never would have been able to tour or reinforce it. In 1992, you know, like why? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think they knew how long they were going to stay out on the road with Gene Ordo because by the end of 92, I think Doug Goldstein came to the band and said that they're essentially broke from the amount of money they spent. Yeah, they were tacking on, on the tour. They, they were tacking on the extra legs because they, yeah, they so went around twice, really. Was, yeah, the 93 itinerary was basically added, yeah, you know, to start making money because of the amount of money they blew, in yeah, because they'd been in, they'd been in South America in 91. And yeah, they kind of went right, back yeah, there, went and back. They, like, you know, yeah. throughout 93 again, like, you know, before they wrapped yeah. it up in the summer, so. But he seems to have, from that clip alone, we know he seems to have had the album mm. um, pretty much ready to go by early 92. So yeah. we can take it that most of this material was wrote or the illusion there, sessions there, around there, that time. Yeah. Um, yeah. He said as well, I think it was the interview you mentioned, whatever that yeah, um, I can't remember form was. I think he yeah. said in that that it, for him at the time, it wasn't about showing the other guys what he could do or anything like that. It was literally just an, an escape and an outlet. Yeah. And you, you tend to believe him in this. I don't think this was like Slash a Snake Pit where it was, well, I'm going to go out and fucking yeah, show you. you exactly. Know? You don't like you don't like these songs. Yeah. Well, I'm going to fucking record yeah, them. Well. This was way more of a, yeah. just a creative outlet for Duff. You know, he had more stuff than they could put on the illusions there, and yeah. this was probably the result of it. Yeah, he had the he had the support of the band anyway to 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 make this. Like he said, they were very very supportive, and he felt that it was something that he had to do for himself. Like it wasn't to, as you said, like it wasn't to show. Like I got to show these guys what I can do. Yeah. The way maybe it's five o'clock somewhere was for Slash. Like you know, yeah. this is very much kind of like something that he had to do for himself, and that's something that I think you can always tell about Duff's music. It, it is very much for. And I think we see that with uh, tenderness and lighthouse as well. It's very much for himself. Like you know, he's not kind of yeah. He doesn't pan to anything. No. he definitely does what's yeah from the heart. Yeah. Um. When you mentioned them coming back to Los Angeles at the end of the Illusions tour, I think it's fair to say the band limped back to LA <laughs> after Buenos Aires because I mean the condition the guys were in. Um. I mean, especially Duff. I think he went straight into rehearsals. Yeah. Post Illusions tour. Yeah. Uh, I think even he says in his book that Axel warned him not to go back yeah. on the road, that he'd be crazy to do it. This evidence piece number 1755 of Axel actually being an all round good guy, you know, saying like, you know, he didn't want Duff to go out and basically run himself into the ground. Yeah, but I mean, it shows an awareness because the fact that he did say or ask Duff not to go back out there, mm. I mean, Duff said in his book at the time, even when. Um, the next year, a few months later, when his pancreas burst, mm. and Slash didn't call him because Slash was wrapped up in his own shit or yeah. whatever. But uh, a lot of people forget that about Axel Rose that at that time period he was as as you know megalomaniac as they say he was, and uh, there was a point there where I think he probably lost touch with reality and, yeah. and delusions 
era, but I think he always. I don't think he's ever really connected to reality. He always yeah, just lived in his own world, I suppose. Vision, but yeah. I think he had. I think people forget that he was the one guy that, you know, certainly on the side of excess, mm. was you know probably the cleanest guy in the band. Yeah, and the clearest in that sense. Yeah. yeah. So you know you can imagine him saying to Duff. To not go back out here to do this, and he and he genuinely cared for his bandmates as well. You yeah. know, like like, like what Duff said in his book, as you said about Slash. You know, was off living in his own kind of misery. You know, yeah. uh, Axel was very much kind of like clued in. You know, he mm-hmm. he wasn't drowned out from alcohol or drugs or anything of that of that sort. You know, so he could kind of he obviously had concerns about Duff going back out. He would yeah. have seen what life was on the road during the Use Your Illusion tour. We've seen it time and time again in all the books that we've reviewed. Um, every record of the user illusion tour, we used to romanticize about it and say, "Well, what a what a place to be!" Like you know, the biggest band in the world during that two and a half year period. How amazing would that have been? We've seen behind the curtain that the reality of that was completely different. You know, even Duff had said it in his book. That was the lowest point of his life, yeah. uh, the the loneliest point of his life yeah. as well. And it was just drink, drink, drink. You know, just passing out and waking up in cities, not even remembering. Yeah, well, you can see by the end of the Illusions yeah. tour. Not yeah. even, I suppose not even the end. I mean, you if you watch on a lot of the gigs on YouTube, you 1992, Duff doesn't look great. No, and even in the interviews to promote uh, Believe in Me, the album as well, he looks dreadful. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, you can see the, he's bloated. Yeah, you can definitely see the effect yeah, that that tour had had on him by that yeah. point. Um, but he mentioned in his book that he swapped vodka for wine. Not that that's much better, except... Being Duff, he drank, mm. you know, he was saying about a case a day. Yeah. And then he's going, like, this is coming off of a two and a half years on the road. Yeah. And then he's going to go straight to rehearsals. He has an album in the bag all ready to go, and he's going to go on tour. Yeah. Um, That's... I'd like to know who else in the circle, like, tried to stop him going out there. Because mm. you look at the footage of these shows when he's promoting this album, and he clearly shouldn't have been out there. No, he shouldn't have been. And I think that's exactly where Axel's kind of coming from. You know, he's seen yeah. the way life was like on that road and how Duff was really kind of struggling. But it does show the neglect from the management side of it. Yeah, things, big time. That they, they let Duff go back out yeah, there and absolutely. do this. Like, Doug, Doug Goldstein should have stopped this from happening. Yeah, like, 100%, you know, yeah. 100%. The tour itself that he he would embark on to promote this album, it just seemed like a nightmare. Um, mm-hmm. The three shows that he kicked it off with in the US, he started in uh, LA, San Francisco and New York. I think he mentions that his wife, Linda at the time, got into a fight backstage. Uh, he said his band ended up fighting, his lead guitarist stabbed the bus driver. Yeah. It's a tour from hell. Yeah, big time. Yeah. yeah. And then it goes from US into Europe and then when, he, he's, when, when he's sorry I don't mean to put yeah. across there sorry when he's the most well behaved on the yeah, tour you know something something's wrong, fucking yeah. wrong yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he essentially goes brings his tour into Europe and they've got shows booked through Japan and then into Australia I think yeah. he eventually gives it up yeah at some point he just I, I, calls I, it a day I, I think he'd done some shows in Australia and he was supposed to go back wasn't he and he just he didn't want he said that he didn't want to be that guy to ring up his agent and say listen we're not doing we're not doing this tour and then he was like, you know what, I ended up being that guy. You know, I just couldn't do it anymore. Um, That's how bad this Yeah, was. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, they, in, in a bad way. Yeah, they swapped out the lead guitarist during the tour. Yeah. Because of the other incident. But essentially, he tours this album through early 1990, late 93, early 1994. Mm. And that performance that everyone can see on YouTube from MTV Headbangers Ball in late 93, mm. 
that's evidence that Duff shouldn't have been going. No, back. no. His vocal cords, his, he sounds yeah. all nasally. He's very nasally. He's like yeah. he's got a flu or a cold. And even in some of the tracks in the album that were recorded, yeah. very nasally. You know, yeah. you could but tell the his voice fucked. Yeah, his voice was fucked at that point. Yeah. From, yeah. But he just looked like, you know, a man heading for a fall yeah. at that point. Oh, he was, he was dying. Like, you, yeah, if you look back really at him bad. now... Like, you see the footage now, even years yeah. later. Like, I hadn't watched that footage in a long time and when I had seen it recently I was like Jesus he really was bad yeah. at that point like, and he still gives it at all that's the one thing about oh, yeah. performances in, in early 94 Yeah, there's not many gigs you can watch online from this tour from believe me I think the most prominent one online is the, the Copenhagen show Yeah, but he you can see Duff's really giving it all he's, he's still got it he's, in that yeah. sense but he, you can see the deterioration there you can, fast. It's, he's a committed performer like you know and to see him promoting it to see him on stage right you get that vision of him and then fast forward 10, 11 years later when Velvet Revolver are on the rise and you see Duff then, you would never think in a million years that's the same person. Oh, Jesus, the transition. It's, it's night and day. It's Crazy. insane. Yeah. But the, but the Believe in Me era is so interesting in that you can you can visually see the guy right before the fall. You know, like he when you watch the, the footage of him playing uh, this stuff mm. in Europe at the time, he looks washy. He looks tired. He's bloated. He's he's constantly drunk. Uh, he he looks shabby. He doesn't look no. like even two years earlier. There's just a the stark difference. Yeah, you almost feel you almost feel hungover looking at him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. But you like to know that this was all right before the fall. Yeah, it's you, scary you now when you watch the the gigs and and you you think about that era for Duff. Yeah. Because yeah. I think he's playing shows up until um, March of 1994 and yeah. then he, he gets on the plane. That famous story of him meeting Kurt Cobain yeah. before Kurt Cobain does himself in. Yeah, it was only a few days later, wasn't 31st it? 31st of March, yeah, 94. Yeah. Um, but, you know, this is March 31st. He's given up. He's going back to Seattle and then it's May the 10th that his pancreas bursts. Yes. So, yeah. the, you know, six weeks from hell, essentially. Yeah. You know, Duff is, is pretty, like, what I'm trying to make the point here is that it's by May Duff is done in. Yeah. And this tour only began in, I think, October. October, yeah, September, yeah, September, October. And then, yeah, it's a very kind of short kind of it was window. the last domino, really, so big, far. Big time, yeah. And really, obviously, we, we, we've talked about this before, what happened to him when his pancreas did explode, that should have killed him. And he was, he was just so lucky that his friend happened to come into the house at that time yeah. and found him before it was too late. You, you know? know, when you look at West Arkeen. Yeah. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, but with Duff playing these gigs, even there's something different about Duff on that Believe in Me tour. I always thought than even the Lose Your Illusions tour because I don't know if you saw the show. I think it's the one in Italy online where he's engaging in conflict with the audience, and the audience are just throwing shit on stage and mm. acting like assholes. But the way he engages fans and in, in arguing and fighting, yeah. it's not like Duff. It's like, no, it's he, a, there's much more of a rage in him at this point. Yeah, he's obviously just stuck he, he in, stuck he's in a rut. Yeah, he he's, can't stop he's angry with himself, probably self, self-loading there as well, because if you look up in the GRR days, when the gigs were beginning to take a turn, yeah. he would either just like drown himself and drink and just get on with it, or he would recognise the danger and try yeah. to yeah, he always seems to be the guy know. beside Axel to yeah. kind of pull him back. Talk him something. down, yeah. I think you see him there at St. Louis when Axel dives off stage. Yeah. It's the first one there with Axel. Other times in Philadelphia, New York, where Axel's in trouble. And Duff always seems to be that guy to try and calm him down. Yes. Or, but on this Believe in Me tour, it's it's 
strange to see Duff as the front man. Yeah. He's the one feeling the heat now and he's yeah. engaging in this kind of shit. And it's 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 a very, very unique period of, of Duff McKagan history, this tour. Yeah. You don't you never see it anywhere else. No. Never again. No. Not even before it like that, to no. that extent. He just he just seems to be yeah, he just seems to be so angry. He seems to be hating himself at this point in time. Uh that's what it looks like. I'd say he probably had a newfound respect for Axel after this as well, after him going out and being the lead. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, on this I tour. He, I think he Richard said that when the Stones broke up in the 80s. I think he Richards went out and did uh, the Expensive Winos project, I think it was. Uh, and uh, he said suddenly he had, even though he was fighting with Jagger, he had yeah. this appreciation, a newfound one. Yeah, he got it from another pr- new perspective, from, huh? Yeah. <laughs> but it is, it's, 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 it is unique to see this era to, that you can visually see Duff right mm. before the fall. Yeah. Yeah, you know, to know he shouldn't have been there. like he's completely not really fucked up. Like even those interviews, you, yeah. you pull you pull him from doing those interviews. Oh yeah, he's so know? bloated looking. Yeah, sickly. Yeah, and it's weird because the media, like if that was nowadays, like the media would be very much like shining like a spotlight on him and saying, you know, this shouldn't be happening, or you know, he needs help, things like that. Yeah, it just goes to show what the status yeah. quo was because, uh, as you say, all those interviews are sitting there. Not yeah. once did you think, hang on a minute, we can't film this. If that was nowadays, you'd be, they'd turn around and oh, say, yeah, are you okay? You know? Yeah. To, yeah. You know, we're not going to put you on camera like no. this. It's... But it's definitely it's definitely a, a, a failing of uh, Doug, Doug Alstein and the wider. Yeah, I think so. I don't think Doug should have been on tour no, at this point. Definitely not. Definitely not. No. Uh, I know this is, you know, Duff would say in his book, oh, this is what I did and all the time, but yeah. when you see where it ended him up in, in May yeah. of 94. But again, if he wasn't on the tour, maybe he wouldn't have got to the point that he got. You Who know? knows? Yeah, Who knows? Because yeah, that's a good point, because he does actually say in the book, everything was about keep moving. Yeah, yeah. Isn't yeah. that the phrase he uses? Yeah, keep moving. Just yeah. keep moving. Yeah. Keep going. Another show, another city. He couldn't sit still, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So he was dealing with all of that. Yeah. You forget that. That's that's true. Um, the album itself, the album in question, believe in me. Um, I, I, again, even the artwork of this album, you mentioned like looking at the footage of the gigs makes you feel hungover. Mm. Even the album artwork just has that whole vibe of being a washed out rock star. It's it's totally decadent looking, and yeah, yeah, it's animated, but it still has this sinister kind of message for it, doesn't it? It's very much kind of like in the gutter kind of look to it doesn't it you know like sitting there in the in the uh the drinks the, are slobbing yeah, yeah. all over and all over the cigarette in the hand. carelessly in one hand it's the hair all over the place looking. yeah yeah ripped and jeans sitting in a cocktail glass it's, yeah it is it's it's actually a good representation of duff 1993 i suppose yeah. i wonder if uh do you think slash had any input into that artwork that's a good question yeah. um I don't actually know. Yeah. I, I could check who the artwork is done. Uh, checking it out for you. Here. Yeah. I don't see Slash's name here no, on the artwork. No. No. But even if you look at the back of that cover there, he's you know, Duff is the photograph of Duff is just looks tired and burned out and it's it just doesn't oh, look he's, like he's yeah, slumped over one hand yeah. facing the other. It just it's a perfect example of this time. Yeah. It is. It really, know, it really it captures it, doesn't it? Yeah. I don't know if you can see that image online, but it, it is. It's perfect for what he was. Produced and mixed by Jim Mitchell and Duff McKagan. Yeah. They, like, I think I think it's a, as an album, it's, when I first approached it, I obviously came to this album years later, I think in early 2000s. So the album was probably about nine, nine years, 10 years when I first heard it. So I, there was all, I'd already read things about it and I knew it was, it's not a flop, I suppose, because it's only a solo album, but it's, you know, I knew it wasn't 
going to be you know Guns N' Roses esque, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but the album, I mean, it's I I started off with the the, the title track. I thought Believe Me was great. Yeah, I really, I really like it, you know, and I think it, there's kind of elements of Paradise City and the garden in there as well. Like, you know, it just kind of reminded me of that kind of, yeah. the way the song is kind of put together. It just kind of has that uh, um, that kind of feel to it. And of course, you've got Slash on guitar as well. Um, yeah, but I, I think... Uh, Do you know who the woman is, the female vocal? No, actually, no. Bobby Brown. Bobby Brown. This is Cherry Pie herself. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I, I always thought Believe in Me was actually... Like one of the strongest things Duff ever actually did solo was. I think it, I think it works. I've I've heard this live with Loaded years mm. later when he was playing, and uh, I think this track comes off yeah really well. And I know he um, has said that he recorded it in one day. Mm. It was just basically all Duff. Everything you hear on this is Duff except the solo. Obviously, it was Slash. Yeah. Um, but I, I've always liked it. I think it's a good rocker. Um, it's got a bit. It's got. A, it's got an attitude to it. It it does. It does, and I think he, like the vocals from Duff are very, very good on this track. You know, the, the, dru- the dru- out, yeah, it? the drumming as well is 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 fantastic. You know, uh, slash a solo towards the end is 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 Blistering. oh, it's fantastic. Classic slash. You know, but uh, it's a great, it's a great title track. Um, that for, for the album, of course, and it's also a great start to the album as well. Like you know, yeah. I, I really kind of even lyrically, I think the song has a message in it that ends up being prevalent in a lot of Duff's later work. That mm. like idea of being the man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? He talks about that a lot. He does he? Talk yeah, about that a lot. and I think he mentioned in a book that for years, when he was younger and guns, he struggled with the idea of what was a man. Mm. And I think this song even kind of shows little glimpses of where he was going to go in even years later yeah, because yeah. he he has that thing about especially in this song it's, i think it's about you know a woman essentially having faith in you essentially as 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 a as a guy a belief in him yeah um but that does recur later on yeah it does yeah uh, it does it's interesting it may be cloudier here and it may yeah. seem more aggressive on yeah. this because of where he was at, at this point yeah but the heart and soul of it is there. The, the blueprint is there for what Duff would become. It is. It's just that maturity, obviously, as the years pass, that would lead to what we got from Tenderness and Lighthouse and things like that. But yeah. the, the way he kind of puts songs together and the message he's trying to get across, you can see it here, like in, yeah. in, in, in this, you know. And there's a nice dynamic to the song. I like the way it opens up with Duff just on an acoustic guitar. Yeah. Playing 12 string acoustic. And then it just, it just ramps up. It just ramps up, then yeah. Slash comes in. Yeah. yeah. It just goes balls to yeah. the wall, then, you know. Yeah, it does. I think it's a great track. And yeah. I'm glad he brought it back years later. Yeah. It's actually one I'd still like to hear him do even nowadays. Yeah. I thought I think it'd be great in a GNR set list. Instead of doing Attitude or something. Oh, yeah. I'd love to hear him yeah. do it instead of the spaghetti stuff. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, no, I really, really enjoy it. Yeah, I think the performance, if you, if you haven't seen the performance of it on Headbangers Ball, um, watch it because it's it'll definitely show you what we're talking about yeah. here and how it, all of this encapsulates where he was. Yeah, it's a real, snap, real snapshot in time. Yeah. yeah, and even though you know his, his nose and vocals are messed up in it, he still gives it socks. Yeah, he he's, does. He's really good. He it. does, he does. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other song, I, I, I thought, uh, Could It Be You? Oh, sorry, I love you. Um, this song, I think, was used. There was lyrics in this used later on. Yeah. Um, I think he says, um, I'll wrap my arms around you or something. I think he uses that in an actual, as a song later on, which Duff does a lot. Mm. Duff reuses material. Yeah. He's clever at this. Yeah. And he always reinvents it. 
later on. Yeah. And you, you'll see as you, take a you look through Duff's albums, there's there's even songs, full yeah. songs that he reuses later on. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. he's good at that. Um, but his notes on this song was, it's a very raw objective, a view of a relationship gone bad. Yeah. So it's pretty straightforward. He said he recorded this song in all in one day. Yeah. But there's a lyric in it, I walk the streets at night, and it's the way he sings it. You have to believe this was when he was writing so fine. Yeah, he yeah. Almost had too look, much I material. look right up at night, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's quite similar even the way he sings it. So it's possible that he, this was even a variation a ver- of a ver- or something like that yeah. that he cast aside yeah yeah because yeah. he would have been writing all this stuff around that yeah. period so possible i'm guessing but it's it's probably more than likely yeah um the the, the the chorus is obviously hooky i mean it's it's a very almost catchy poppy chorus yeah and it does it's it, i think it's it does this song does what it says in the tin actually yeah and it's, and it's another one of those as well that the the, the way the song is put together again it starts off with this sl- slow kind of start with ramps up and then kind of Peter's off again, yeah. you know, he's kind of following the same kind of formula that was used in Believe in Me, you yeah. know, but I'm not going to lie to you, like, I love you, it's it's okay. Yeah. It's it's not, I don't think it's, I don't, it's not yeah. great for me, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I think there's better songs on the album than this, mm-hmm. like, you know, it's... Yeah. I agree with you on yeah. that, definitely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. it doesn't get, it's not as good as Believe in Me. Yeah. No, definitely yeah. not. Nowhere near. Yeah. Nowhere near for me, you know. Uh, Bobby Lane is on this as well. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh. She's in there buried. Wow. Yeah, she's the backing vocal on it. Yeah. Um, Man in the Meadow. Now, this one, uh, this song was done by West Arkeen. West Arkeen on guitar. And, yeah, and, he shows up everywhere, doesn't he? And he's got, he's got a distinct kind of style, you know, in comparison to Slash. Like, you know, yeah. you'd know it's not. Yeah, it's not, tell. they're not the same he style. He more than Slash. Yeah. Slash is more of a bluesy and he plays his notes out a lot longer. Yeah. And Wes Arkin gets more notes in there. Yeah, I th- I, like I, th- I think his I think his riffs like in there are yeah fantastic. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, th- yeah, I, th- yeah. I think instrumentally, I think the song is very good. Um, I didn't think the vocals were a great fit on this. To be honest with you, I think it's like the mix. Glad you said that. Yeah, you know it's kinda, funny because yeah. I actually thought this when I was listening to during the week. I said yeah. if he re-recorded this yeah. now, use the same music. Yeah, but with his vocals, with his vocals now, over, this would yeah. be great. I think he's very drowned out. Very yeah. drowned out. I, but and I even think. I'm guessing because we don't know the time period of each song. Mm. I'm wondering was he was the vocals done on this even a little bit mm. into the tour a bit where he was kind of Mate, yeah. well off the wagon because the vocals yeah. it's very nasally. Very, very yeah. much so. Now the, the and it's not the only track on the album which I think the mix is a problem. You know, that's why when I was reading the back of that and I was reading how it was mixed boy, I was like, Right, that's interesting, yeah. you know, because it's it's there's a few songs that I think the mix is really off on, and this is and this is one of them. And I think it's a shame because instrumentally the song is fantastic. Uh, West Arkane is sensational on the guitar in this song, you know. But it's just those vocals are a letdown. Here. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, that, because I thought that to myself. If they redid it now, leave the song as it is, just don't, yeah. just re-record the vocal. Yeah, totally different. Yeah. Matter of fact, if if anyone's listening, get them to do that. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually about Todd Crew from Jetboy. This oh, song, yeah. um, he said it was a essentially a sad song that he wrote about Todd Crew that him and West were going. What's sad is that him and West were going through the same thing, at the, yeah. And at this time, the lyric there, uh, wasted days, broken dreams, you know, yeah. there you go. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of desperation and yeah. depression on this album. It's a it's not a um, it's not a happy record no, by any not. means, it's frustration all throughout the album, yeah, yeah, there is, there is. Yeah, so I, I mean, I like Man in the Meadow as a song. I think it's really good. I just mm. think the vocal, maybe the mix as well, I think you have a point there. Yeah. I think I think the vocal could definitely be re-recorded, and this would really, this would, if you re- redid the vocal, this would be 
Oh yeah, exactly what it was. Exactly, yeah, what the, it was meant to the be. way it's supposed to be. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I agree, agree completely. Yeah, fucked up beyond belief. Um, change of sound, feel yeah. the whole vibe changes with this. Um, I think what's interesting about this is Jeff Beck is on this, and he's fucking phenomenal. On that. He's on phenomenal. It, so Jeff Beck asked Duff to be on That's this right, album yeah. because he heard him. Uh, on tour, messing around with some stuff, and, and Jeff Beck asked him, "What's this about?" I presume that was in in Paris when they were he was supposed yeah, they, to. Yeah, I think I, yeah. he said something about being in a hotel room across yeah. the way. So I'm presuming yeah. must have been in Paris that time. And uh, he he said, "What's this?" And he's like, "Oh, can I be on it?" Like you know, and he's like, "Yeah, great." But uh, I think this, don't have to ask me twice. Don't have to, no, like, yeah, absolutely. Jeff Beck's on it. Matt's arms on drums as well. So you can tell. Yeah. Up, one hundred percent. Like the opening is quite funky. The the riffs by Beck uh, and the great drum on there by Matt's arm, as we've come to expect. There's a bit of kind of like a Rocket Queen esque kind of groove to it, I That's think, right, as yeah. well. Um, but it, it's it, the minimum of minimal vocals, I think, as well, work really well here. This could be my favorite song on the album, to be honest. With you. Really? Yeah, I really, really enjoy. I think fuck. I think it's just a great fucking sound. Yeah, essentially, sound. it was he. He said that it was a song that Matt and him would screw around with at soundcheck. Yeah, in Guns and Roses. So it's to be probably yeah. So, so they had it for a while, yeah. um, and then they were him and Matt recorded it in one take. And yeah. then Teddy obviously came in later on. Um, yeah, he said he mentioned months later, Paris with Jeff Beck saying hotel room across from us. Mm. He heard the song, so yeah. they were obviously playing it, whatever they were recording, yeah. and. Um, they called studio time straight away and did it straight, that day. Done it there, yeah. But yeah, I think you're right about the whole Rocket Queen kind of a thing. Does it? There is that real groove to, groove it. to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And very minimal vocals. You know, it's mainly instrumental. Yeah, and it works. It does it really does work? Like it'll just get you get you fired up. You know, again, it shows you if this is what they were doing at Soundcheck, the yeah. abundance of material that was in the GNR sphere. Yeah. From 1989, 1990 yeah. on. I, I I think I think Duff Duff and Matt Sorum together. I think it was gold. It was gold. Yeah. You know, I think they just they just clicked. White Valve Revolver worked yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. Big time. Big time. They 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 just clicked so well together. Yeah, and I'll dare say it's actually one thing that's possibly missing from even Gene or now. Yeah. I've yeah. I've always felt Matt's arm's absence. Yeah. Even with the reunion. He, Matt's arm was the sound wise anyway, was the best. We've said this before. The yeah, best, best drum yeah. in the band. And it's know. funny because I meet more people that say Steve Adler. Yeah, yeah. Like Adler was the right he place. He had the, at the groove, right don't get me wrong. But just, tight, yeah. I think it's just down to personal taste. Where they went, it was never, it wasn't. Gonna... I just felt Matt's arm just has such a distinctive tone. Mm. Yeah. It's just a feel. It was, uh, the mini, it, whatever that groove is that Matt's arm hits, yeah. just, that just does it they, for me. They just click in together straight away. Yeah, I think yeah. so. I, I, I'm not going to lie, I wouldn't have guessed that that would have been your favorite one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just, yeah, it's no, interesting, yeah. yeah. I just, I just, I just thought I was like, oh yeah, like a fucking yeah, I could, I could, I could take to this, like you know, hundred yeah. percent, yeah. Thank that one up. Yeah. <laughs> um, the next one could it be you? Um, he Duff wrote that this was a very lonely point in my life. It was a song about the endless nights alone, just hoping that just maybe, maybe she might come into my life. Yeah. It's almost a song he wrote about Susan years years before before, before he met her. Yeah. On that one. And and even one of the lyrics there could it uh, could it be you? The one that makes me feel like a man. So there he goes. Again, again with that yeah 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 but i thought this was another one where his vocals are drowned out again to be honest you know um yeah. it, it didn't distract it and hit it for me it's funny you you mentioned the vocals because i had the same thing down here for yeah. that song yeah yeah this i think again if he redid it maybe you know modern day mixing as well 
yeah, this could be better. Uh, it's a real twenty-two piece orchestra on that. So. Yeah, yeah, real orchestra. Yeah, like the, yeah, the, like they've got the violins coming yeah. in and all there towards the end, which are which I like, is, yeah, I like the, the outro on the strings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Other than that, though, other than that, I kind of find it a little bit boring or something, you know. Yeah, just didn't he play this on Harold Stern at the time? To yeah, the album. yeah, yeah. I think it was 1993 that he played Harold Stern, mm. and he's not, he doesn't sound good no, at all. He's, no. I mean, I mean, even the way he's just speaking with Harold Stern, and, and again, to go back to what you said about. The industry at the time, like Howard Stern is not even, I don't know, he's just oblivious to what state Duff is in at this point. Yeah. It's like he's a novelty or a fucking cartoon character or something. I suppose Howard Stern, like the types of people that would be on his show over the years, like, he'd have yeah. more fucked up people than Duff McKagan, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> but he played Could It Be You yeah. um, on this acoustically. Mm. Um, I'm going to say a good track. Yeah. You know, not a great track, but a good track. Mm. Um, I, I just as I said what stood out for me on it was the idea of the orchestra I thought yeah. it was a nice touch yeah. it also showed maybe you know the media made out for years that it was all Axl Rose ramming the orchestral shit yeah there you go music. yeah like going, Duff goes and does a solo yeah. album and starts putting strings on it he, he maybe won them over you know <laughs> possibly um, yeah could it be I, I would have gave it a thumbs up I liked it not great but I did like it is this the first one that we're going in opposite directions? No, I, there? Yeah, I, I'll keep it up there. Um, just not there. That track um, for me was, was a bit iffy. Um, it's like a little punky feel to this. Actually, this is the song where he used the lyric Wrap My Arms Around You. So oh, he reuses yeah. that in a later song on yeah. the Loaded. Yes. So this yeah. is what Duff is great at, reusing material. But um, it's, a, it's, I don't know, it won me, it wins, it won me over with time I didn't like it at the start um, it's okay what do you think I, I liked it Yeah, I liked it yeah I, I, I think uh, catching chorus yeah slashes riffs I think as well in there I think he's kind of very much in his uh, Velvet Revolver style kind yeah. of uh, mode here you know um, oh yeah that's right slashes on this track yeah I'm, I'm getting kind of like some Tin Lizzy kind of vibes to the instrumentals yeah. as well in parts and like I, I've always been a big fan of Tin Lizzy so uh Anything that's even remotely in that ballpark, I'm taking to. Um, I think Duff's vocals here, like because I know I went in on them on two of the songs already, but I think his his vocals here are a great fit in the song, and I think the pacing of it as well is is really good. But uh, this is this is what to me this is one of the better tracks I thought. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because yeah. you know what I mean. Normally with Gene or anything, you can predict what your friends are gonna mm. go for. Now yeah. I'm surprised that what's yeah. what's kicking it for you. Yeah, yeah. Um. What he did say about this track was um, picture um, a girl and yourself in a deep embrace, both mentally and physically, and waking up and realizing it was just a dream. Oh, fuck. For me, <laughs> it was an occurrence that happened quite often. Not no more. Maybe he didn't know what was real or what was like, what's reality and what's his dreams. You saw out of it. Like, yeah, know. well, he was married to um, a woman, Linda, Linda, Linda yeah. at the time. Yeah. Um, I think they'd been around for a while, haven't they? Yeah. At that point. Yeah. The, but the, it did, it just seemed like a mess at that by the time of this album yeah. because, uh, as I said, I think he mentioned in the book. I think she was more interested in getting hit or hitting up at a time. Yeah. Than, I think he just wanted to get away. <laughs> probably, probably yeah. wanted to go. I mean, it's strange because well. she's not. I think like they're still married around early '94 when he has the um, incident with his pancreas, but she's not there. Did is that the one that he kicked out on Christmas? I'm not sure. Is mm. that what happened? It might have been, yeah. Because because like like we said, so there, she was just, definitely gone so a while. Christmas '93. It yeah. must be, yeah. It oh, must so be. He was definitely going yeah. into shit in '94. Yeah, 
Yeah. Right. It must. It must be. Well. It must be. It must be. Oh, is that eighty nine? Jesus. I'm. Yeah. Do you know what? <laughs> How many times is Duff being married? Oh, this is uh, Susan's third wife, isn't it? Third. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah, it's strange. <laughs> I think he got married. Didn't he get married twice in like a year or two or something? Yeah, was it Ma- Mandy or something? Was yeah. it Mandy? That was both like from 1990 yeah. to 91 or 92 or something. Like yeah. Two he, of them. Yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> He must have came off that illusion for a What the fuck no, just happened? In no the wonder he was fucking years? drinking. Because <laughs> yeah. there's a video on MTV um, when they're talking about this album coming out soon and the spaghetti incident of him and his yeah. wife at the time, Linda. Yeah. I don't know. I, I She looks like she just doesn't give a shit about him. Like he's, Duff just needs to be told, okay, you got to get clean. You yeah. need to go and get help. And, I don't know. She just looks oblivious to this, and so she's into it. Maybe she's into the the same stuff herself at the time, and just oblivious. But it just looks like a mismatch. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. And he did say it about one of his wives, and I'm oh, fucking mixing them up now because. Yeah. <laughs> but he did say about one of his wives that they were just kind of like drug buddies. It's know? probably her. Yeah. Because yeah. he comes back down to LA a few weeks after the whole hospital incident, and yeah. then he said something in the book about I had to get rid of her, I guess, to clear her, or yeah. something like that. Yeah. So it's possibly her. Yeah. Putting words in his mouth. <laughs> um, but yeah, there is a lot of those kind of, um, you know, ballady kind of songs on this where he's talking about the ideal of of what the ideal relationship should be, because Duff is kind of a romantic at heart behind the punk rock. Yeah. Oh, he is. Yeah. Front, front you know. Sensitively. Yeah. yeah. So just not there was a. Yeah. It's a thumbs up for it's you. Thumbs up for me, yeah. You got a thumbs up on it? Thumbs... No, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a thumbs up. Yeah. 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 Slash is good on it. Yeah. Uh, I'm not giving a thumbs up to the next one. Punk rock song. Got, on the second side of this album. So old, aren't they? The second side of this album. <laughs> no, sorry. They, they, this was what ended the first side of the album. Punk oh, rock song. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's it's formulaic to me. It's, I don't think it's not, it's not that it's bad. It's just. It's just forgetful for it, me. It, it didn't do much for me. One minute, 37 seconds. Like, it's not, it's not, it's, it's yeah, it's not much of a song. Uh, punk rock song. It's okay. Like this time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, so he was asked if this was going to, before the album came out, if he was going to lean into his, into punk at all. And he said, no, he said, because that he would have considered that a regression, you know, and he kind of wanted to yeah. take what he's learned and kind of bring it forward. But obviously, he's paying homage to his roots here with punk rock song. But yeah, it's just like a, it's just like a non-song for yeah. me, you know. I don't think we can really judge it as a proper song. <laughs> no, no. There's, he doesn't, I mean, he pays homage to punk a lot. He's never hiding from it, but it's just, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't go over the top with it on this one. Punk, no. The punk vibe just kind of settles a bit into the back of this yeah. album. Yeah. Um, it, it's not too much to the front, but with this song, I just felt, you know, it was quick, it was forgetful, and... It's a very angry tune. I think he yeah. said it was a point of severe, over-the-top angst in my life. And uh, we made a mosh pit in the control room. Yeah. So they, there we there go. go. Mosh pit in the control room. <laughs> that makes, recording it. That explains it. <laughs> yeah. Um, as we go into the second half of this album, um, he, so this is where you start to see a few more heavy hitters come mm-hmm. into the picture. So Lenny Kravitz comes onto a track uh, called The Majority. Um, he said it's the first song he did. Um, he wasn't planning on doing an album at the time when he came up with this song. Yeah. So this was the first one. Um, but he said he had a day off from the Illusions Records uh, A&M Studios and uh, the room was essentially set up. All the gear was ready to go. So yeah. Duff said he helped himself and then Lenny Kravitz came in that night and yeah. sang over it. So yeah. that was the story behind that. I don't think it's a bad song. Um, it just doesn't do much for me. But it's. I think Lenny Kravitz always has that 
to me I like his music, but it's very one dimensional. It's yeah. always the same vein. Yeah. And I think this feels like that. Yeah. Sometimes it's it, it doesn't do anything different. Even for a Duff song, it just still feels like Lenny Kravitz song. I think this is I think this is one of the worst songs of the album. Right. Yeah. I really just really don't like it at all. Don't like it. No, like there's good parts, like I think like the, the the guitar playing is yeah. very good, but I think the vocals just kinda and I do like Lenny Kravitz, yeah. but I think the vocals just don't work for me. Uh the repetitiveness of the majority yeah, to keep yeah. singing that part yeah. over and over again. It's just I can honestly say now because obviously we would have listened to this album a long time ago, and I and from going back and listening to it for research, I'm like, geez, you know that album's a lot better than I remembered it being mm-hmm. when I listened to it years ago. I can honestly say that I would probably never listen to this song ever again for the rest of my life. <laughs> 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 yeah, I think I think that's what I'm saying. With any Kravitz, there is that one-dimensional thing to it, and it works for like a poppy kind of song like fly away fly or something away, or are you yeah. gonna get are you gonna go my way is cool but yeah. i just think for a lot of other stuff he does it's always got that same message and the same vibe and mm. you know whereas even with duff it it probably shows that they were just a day off from the illusion sessions and they just <laughs> yeah. okay let's just yeah. record this and, you know and i've read I've, I've read things online where people love this track oh, this God, i've read some reviews where this is their favorite one. oh god so jesus i think it's dreadful yeah it's really no, it, it's to me it's just is what it was. It's a Lenny Kravitz song. The, the, I didn't think it worked. This is like this is like Adam Levine. Uh, oh, no, that no, bad. That bad. Like, oh, that yeah, bad. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We tore Adam Levine to shreds. We did, we did. I won't, I won't tear Lenny to shreds. So they do no, like Lenny. Lenny Lenny's before, a lot cooler right? than Adam Levine. He is fucking sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think ten years. Ten years was the next one, was it? Yeah. Ten years. I really like this one. Yeah. Um, this was Gilby Clark. Um, on this track, mm-hmm. Gilby and Duff wrote this song. Yeah. Um, he said, um, sometime, um, something I came up with with Gilby written about a 10 year high school reunion. I got an invitation to it. I don't know why because I never graduated. So that's what this track is about. I, I, I really like this song. I do, I, I do myself. I think it's a, I think it's a different style to what we've seen in the album up to this point. You know, I think it's more, uh, it's melancholy. Um, clean. Yeah. The music just, feels fresh and clean on it. The mix is clean. Yeah. And I, and I think like, I think what, Gilbert rings to the table here as well, just works, you yeah. know. I think it's uh yeah, I, there's a nice interplay between the two. There is, yeah. The back and vocals. Yeah, they match each other in terms of duff singing. Yeah. With Gilby there behind him. Yeah. I think I like the way the guitars wean around each other. Yeah. It's a kind of a bluesy number. It reminds me of a kind of jam that Gilby would have done yeah. on tour. Yeah. Yeah. So I I think I think it's yeah. One of the stronger tracks in the album. Yeah, it's not unlike some of Gilby's solo stuff that he would have done. Like it's in that kind of same vein. I kind of thought, like you know, but I I think it's uh, I think it really works. I like it. Yeah, Gilby does a nice solo on it as well. Yeah, yeah. that's one thing about him. Actually, he's very, he's capable of a good yeah. solo. Yeah, he is. You know, a lot he of people is. in in or obviously he's behind Slash, so you wouldn't mm. have seen as much, but he can he's, come he's to some, the front. He's some player, yeah. yeah he's like Richard yeah. Forrest in yeah. that time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think another song though that Duff could probably re-record the vocals for yeah. and do it better today. Yeah. And it would sound amazing. Yeah. Be interesting, you know, if this, it's, yeah, re- revisit some of this stuff. Strange that he puts an album, a song on an album called 10 Years. And yeah, yeah, 14, 14 Years. 14 Years. On, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, to me, it's one of the stronger uh, yeah, songs on the album. I agree. I can definitely say that about the next one because the next song is probably my favorite song. Swamp song. Album. Swamp song. I think the Swamp song is yeah. rocking. A hundred. I agree with you completely. 
it's I, hard hitting. Tell you what, you know, I think I might be a Jeff Beck fan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is, man. The riffs, the opener, uh Duff. West Arkeen as well. West Arkeen, yeah, yeah, yeah. Duff on Duff, he's got attitude and kind of grit in his vocals here as well. Yeah. Uh, which is that's what he's at his best, you know. Yeah, uh, they got him on a good day here in the Full studio. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's good. It's great to have Jeff Beck and Wes Arkeen on the same track. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there you go. Jesus, man! I tell you what, Wes Arkeen, like the who's who people that he got to perform with in his, uh, yeah. his short career. Huh? But I love, I love this song. I love the way I love the themes in the song. Mm. Um, the lyrics about fame and yeah. he, his his quote in the album was, um, "I labeled the song before I wrote the lyrics because it had a really dark macabre sound. Um, if a swamp could speak, basically this was the sound. <laughs> uh, the words speak for themselves. So I despise the cliche rock star life. Wow. And this song is just full of that kind of angst, isn't it? <laughs> it is. I think it's a fucking jammer. It, 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 yeah, it is. It is. But I'll tell you what, man. Like Jeff Beck, like what he's bringing Jesus, to the yeah. table here is yeah. phenomenal. Phenomenal. Yeah. Like you yeah. know, it really works well. Yeah, really works well. That's why it's a shame that it's a shame that there wasn't a lot kind of put behind this album because there are some gems on it, like you know, and it's so easy to overlook them. Man, it's, it's this, this is definitely a gem. Yeah, yeah. This song, even when they play this, if you look on YouTube and you watch the shows from the Believe in Me tour, this Swamp song just yeah. fucking looks rocking life. Yeah, the crowds you can even see, even though they anyone who doesn't even know this song will just feel this when they play it. Like, yeah. it's just it grips you, man. It's it was. It does what it's supposed it, it, to do. It's very like um I don't know if you're aware of it, the Aerosmith song from Rocks, Nobody's Fault. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Very, yeah, very yeah. much like that. It has the same rhythm, the yeah. same flow to it, but it's obviously more aggressive sounding. Yeah. So, you know, subconscious leaders probably duff harkening back to his influences there. Yeah. But this this for me, fuck it's, I, it's, when I heard this years ago, I always loved it. And even now it's it's one of those tracks that just Hits me the same way. Yeah. Never, never fades. Yeah, it's class. It's class. I really like it. It's definitely one of the stronger ones again on the album. Yeah, you know, it's bring definitely... it back, Duff. Yes, yes, definitely do, bring do it bring it back. <laughs> it makes you wonder if any of these could have been Gene R tracks. Yeah, like, yeah, did they start off as the bonds of a Gene R track and then they were just kind of cast aside and not going to be used? So it's like, right, listen, I'll fucking rework yeah. these. Yeah, It'll be. Yeah, it makes sense because there, really, there are a few tracks on the album that you can see walking for yeah. GNR, you know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, Trouble, I think it's Mr. Sebastian back and mm. Snake from Skid Row. Yeah, what do you think? Oh, yeah, I, 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 I like it. I, yeah. I, I, I really like it. Um, uh, Sebastian Bach starts off a very Axel like Wales to start the song as well. You know, it's a very eighties rock song. Yeah, it does. It's very yeah. Skid Row actually. It yeah. sounds like Skid Row. Yeah, Slave to the Grind. Yeah, kind of album. Some great, great riffs in there as well. Yeah, from yeah. Snake. Yeah, about walking the unbeaten path in life. Yeah. That's what this song is about. Yeah, unbeaten path in life. Yeah, that's what tough was out of Yeah, but I, mean, I think though, when you put somebody like Sebastian on, it's hard for it to not. Mm-hmm. Sound good. It's yeah. probably even harder to make it not sound like Skid Row, though. That's, like it does sound like Skid Row. That's, a good Skid Row song. Yeah, yeah. That that's probably the that's probably the only kind of part of it. Like you can like yeah, like it it doesn't sound like a Duff solo song. Like you yeah. know, it's it's. Uh, I think that's why they they were saying with Velvet Revolver years later when they would audition Sebastian. Yeah. Uh, Slash mentioned that it was just basically like Axel's Rose. Yeah. With Skid Row. Yeah. Yeah, so they had to, and and yeah. there and even the way Sebastian kind of uses his vocals sometimes, there are kind of some similarities to Axel there, in the way he kind of, uh, and, and here it's very evident here the way he opens to the, the song because for a split second you'd be like, oh shit, like yeah. you know it sounds like a little bit like Axel at the very start before the song really gets going, you know, so it's yeah, uh, yeah, fuck 
you. Fuck you. That's the name of the song. <laughs> um, it's an old riff Duff had for years. Um, apparently, it's there's a rap part on this, and it's I don't know a lot about rap music, so it's Doc from the House Mob. Yeah. You aware of him? No. Never mind. No, no. I, I, I would have been into my uh, Yo MTV raps a while back in the day. Yeah. You know what I mean? I wasn't aware of this, but this works no. for me. Do you like it? Yeah, I think oh. this, I think there's a catchy riff to this. Song. Yeah. Yeah. Um, disagree with you there Darren oh. I think it's just I think it's just I think the, like instrumentally it's good I think the I rap like is, the, I like the music rap is okay but it just feels awkward it feels kind of forced yeah, yeah. West Arcane is on the lead guitar in this Re- West Arcane I think he does a good job on that yeah um, the song I don't know I think it it's I mean it's got this wide open feel where Dizzy's on this Dizzy plays piano on this yeah. um, I like those riffs um, I don't know for the rap part I didn't hate it. Put it that way. Normally, when, when something like that comes on, I'm like, yeah, "Fuck this!" And but I didn't hate it. I wonder if this is at all anyway influenced by GNR's work with NWA in the early nineties yeah, that we never wonder, saw yeah. the light of day. Like I wonder. Yeah, and it yeah. was Duff's house that the NWA guys came out. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So it would be very awesome. interesting to see if that's where the influence kind of here came from. It misses from me, but it's fucking better than. Yeah. Uh, the majority, anyway, I'll give you that. <laughs> well, he's had this riff, the song, the, riff. the majority, not the majority of the songs. Yeah, <laughs> he had the riff uh, for a long time, yeah. anyway. So, again, it's possibly something they're working on mm. pre illusions. Yeah, or Duff had it lying around. It brings us into the final track on the album, The Closer, which was called Lonely Tonight. Yeah, and this is a song I like, I really like this one. Yeah, it's it's like very laid back, it's quite sad. Um, his. His, his 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 voice though you can hear it here and his voice is fucked Definitely, very very yeah. very nasal. you know why that was because he said GNR played Dallas that night till 1am studio time was booked at 3am Jim and I being the producer went in turned off all the lights lit candles and rolled tape I wrote it on the spot little did Jim know and I also did the drum tracks for Swamp Song the same session wow so Joe Duff, when you think of the energy of Swamp Song, yeah, three in the morning, he says, "Jesus." Um, we got about we got out about three p.m. the next day. Oh my God, Jesus! Well, that makes sense. That makes a lot more sense. Now. And his brother Matt <laughs> and his buddy Bob would play later on in L.A. Yeah. and they would add the horns. And I'm going to say, I think the horns is the strong point of this song. The, the, it's a, the, the jazzy, jazzy kind of bit, jazzy kind of sound. Yeah, yeah. It is a good song. Really, it is a good really song. Yeah, I like it. It's a weird closer for an album. Yeah, though. but it's it works. Yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. I suppose, yeah. I, I really like the horns, actually. It reminds me of what he did later on in Tenderness, which I think is his brother again. Yeah. I uh, did it with uh, uh, Matt, Don't Matt, Look Back. Matt McKegan, is it? Matt? It was Matt, yeah. Um, yeah, it was Matt McKegan, you're yeah. right. Yeah. So he did this with uh, Don't Look Back, or Never Look Back, is it? Yeah. on tenderness yeah. years later he, he did a big outro with yeah. one section it's the exact same as Very this sense. yeah and i really go. think it works yeah. um, i think it makes the song as a lovely ambience to um actually duff plays piano on this play piano on it yeah there you go i didn't know that duff could play the piano yeah he's he's credited on this as playing a piano on this and he does the talk box on this as well yeah wow wow pick a piano um it's a slow grooving song yeah you know i, I I like it. I think it's a good closer. It's different. Um, it's different as well. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you're obviously, you know, for a lot of the, a lot of albums like this, you're expecting a big banger out to end it out. But I like the direction he took with it. Yeah. Um, could he say it better now? I'd say yes. 100%. Much better. This yeah. is another one. To see, there's yeah. a few of these tracks that if, yeah. he, if he re-recorded the vocals, 
totally change it. This is one. And then again, if the album had come out in 95 instead and he had more time, would his vocals sound a bit better? Could it perform better? But then yeah. again, it's a flap for Butterfly's Wings. If he wasn't out on tour doing this and drinking to excess and then having the medical issues that we had, things sort of ended up a lot worse. So you never know. Yeah. I mean, he was <laughs> overflowing with material. That's one yeah. thing we can say about him. Yeah. The amount of stuff he had on the table. Yeah. Um, even years later, a few years later with the other album that never got released, Beautiful Disease. Yeah. But I think Duff, um, I think he's under, I think he's underrated in terms of how good he is as yeah. a songwriter. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Because this album, as I said there, it is a lot better than I remembered it being. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think once, you know, especially people that come to it years later, mm. if it wasn't a, a major hit or the reviews weren't kind to it. I think people probably just dismiss it before they've even given it a chance. Yeah. And I think it's the kind of album that you've got to let it breathe a little bit, mm. put it on and listen to it, you know, give it a second listen. And I, I think, it, I think it will grow on you because I think there's, there's good songs in here. So if you, especially if you're, if you're a diehard Gene Orr fan, because you'll, you'll even see beneath the layer of, of what was going on with Duff at the time, you know, and you can hear it in his voice and, and his nose and all that the, mm. with the coke and all that, but he's he's got really good songs on this album. There is well-written songs. Yeah, yeah. Agreed, yeah, I think it's a good album and the fact that it's, what is it, 20, 30 odd years, Yeah, still it still sounds fresh. Yeah. What would you give it out of 10? Um, six. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, six myself. Six, six yeah. and six to seven. Yeah. 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 Uh, kind of, I'd probably go with six myself. Yeah. I mean, there, yeah. there's the songs on it that I like, I love. Yeah. And but, then the ones I, you know, I'm kind of like, eh, don't mind them. But. There's 14 tracks on it. And for me, there's like five or six really good tracks. Yeah. You Swamp know. Song for me is number one. Yeah. Without, without a doubt. Yeah. For me. What's your, oh, it's probably the. Yeah, it's. Uh, second one, was it? Yeah. Oh, not the no, second no, one. No, no. it was uh, uh, Fucked Up Beyond Belief. Yeah, Fucked yeah. Up Beyond Belief. One, yeah. I guess that. Yeah. Um, but for me, Swamp Song, Believe in Me. Um, ten years, and lonely tonight. I, I dare the four for me. I'd probably go. Uh, fucked up beyond belief. Uh, believe in me. Just not there. And swap song. Interesting. Swap yeah. song was the only one we really. <laughs> yeah. Know, like, yeah. Let, let us know what you think about yep. this. Um, if you haven't heard it, give it a go. Give it a whirl. Um, and if you do remember it, definitely let us know what was it like when it first came out. Yeah. Um, I think we will leave it at that. Yeah. Happy with that. Next time. Yep. Stay safe. Peace. See you again.